Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. What makes Good Friday Good Friday? It's that Jesus came and died on the cross. But why is that good? It's not so good. When I think about it, it's not that good. He was, and I can't relate to it. Because Jesus came and died on the cross. When you read the story, it says he was beaten beyond recognition. Now, I can't relate to that. Probably the closest I've come to that in my life is the beltings my dad gave me as a kid. Now, my dad was good at it. If there was a world championship or an Olympics, my dad would probably represent Australia. In fact, there's probably some educational videos out there from my dad so to teach other dads how to give floggings to their kids. It was pretty bad. But that was nothing like what Jesus copped in the Bible. Oh, you know, then the Bible says that a crown of thorns was placed on his head. Jammed down into his head until it went through the skin into the skull. Now, now I stood on a thorn while I was walking my dog one day. And it hurt. It felt like my foot was on fire. But that was one thorn. This was thorns all cr- crammed into Jesus' head. He was made to carry a cross. And, and, and it was so bad for him, the pain so bad, because the skin had been ripped off his back from the whipping and the pain on his head and, and everything that he had copped was so bad that he couldn't carry He, he started carrying it, but he, he dropped it and they got someone else to carry it for him because he was in so much pain. I, I can't relate that to that either. I, I, I tripped over walking my dog one day and hurt my ankle because I got a real bad ankle at the moment. And I laid there in pain for about 30 seconds until the pain went away, got up and kept walking. But that's nothing compared to what Jesus went through. So I can't really relate to it. So why is it good? As Christians, why is it good? And I believe it's good because there's good news. Because of what took place, there's good news for you and me. Because of the moment, because Jesus came down to die on the cross to show us how much he loved us, to show us, hey, there's a better way to live your life. Hey, there's a better way to live this thing that we get to live than the life you're living right now. One of freedom, one of hope, one of peace. It is good for us. It's good news. And so to this morning, I want to talk to you in, in, in the story of Jesus' death. I'd like to share with you three interactions Jesus has while he's on the cross that is good news for you and I. And the first interaction is this. His conversation with the criminals on either side. I want to read you the Bible verses from Luke chapter 23, 39 to 43. It says this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. I think this is such a great picture of grace. In this moment, Jesus gave this man what he didn't deserve. 
See, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is if I punch Trevor right now in the face, bang, which I won't because he goes to the gym and he's a big man. But if I punched him, now, in his mercy, he might not get up and punch me back, even though I would deserve it, or he might not go to the police, even though I would deserve it. That's mercy. But grace is where not only does not he not get up and punch me, he then on Sunday brings me an Easter egg, or he buys me a present. That is grace. Not does he not give me what I deserve, he then rewards me and gives me what I don't deserve. That is grace. I'd like to tell you a story. There was a little girl, and she was adopted. And she'd been adopted by two families. There was the first family. They, they tried their best, but they just couldn't do it. To make things worse, not only were they, did they not do so well, that when they went out to do special things, like go to and have special family events, they'd take all their natural children, but they would leave the adopted girl at home on her own. So when the family came home, She'd have to sit there and look through all the pictures and see all the great moments that this family was having without her. Eventually, the first family gave her up because they just couldn't do it. It was too hard. So the second family adopted her as, her, as their child. And when, when they took her on, the father learned about what would happen. And he decided pretty quick after he adopted her, this girl was eight years old, that he would plan a trip to Disney World. Because he said, you know, it's unfair that this young lady would be left at home while they'd go to Disney World. I'm going to take her to Disney World. And with about two weeks to go, before they were ready to go to Disney World, she started to muck up. This one time, this, this time that was really bad, she, she whispered something really bad in the ear of her big sister and it really hurt her. And the dad in that moment thought, maybe I should punish her by telling her, if you keep misbehaving, I won't take you to Disney World. But, but in his wisdom, he decided, I won't do that. But as time went on, as it got closer and closer to the date, she mucked up even more and more and she misbehaved so bad. And, and, and he really felt like doing it, but he decided, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take her to Disney World. The day came. He took the little girl, the girl that he'd adopted as his own child and the rest of the family, and they all went to Disney World regardless of her behavior. And they took her there. And they went on every ride, looked at all the exhibits. They came home. And the dad sat down. He got his eight-year-old daughter, and he sat her on his lap, and he said to her, how did you feel about that? Did you like going to Disney World? He said, yeah. I loved it. Thank you so much, Dad. And I know I got to go not because I was good, but because of whose I am. See, that's a picture of grace. God gives us stuff. God loves us. God cares for us. Everything I have, everything that God has given me, I, I don't have because I deserve it. I don't have it because I've earned it. I have it because of whose I am, because I am a son of God. The reason you get what you get, the grace you have, the fact you get to go to heaven, the fact that you have all the blessings in your life, it's not because of anything we've earned. Yes, there's times God asks us to do some work, but we get it not because we've earned it, but because we're his children. Because Jesus came to die on the cross for you and me because he died in our place. That moment on the cross was a grace moment that said, everything that I deserve, you now have. And everything you deserve, I've taken on this cross so that you and I can have grace. I, growing up, I, I wasn't the best kid. 
There's probably kids out there that were worse than me, but I'd steal things from the shops. I wanted a pacer, which was one of those, you know those pencils that have, no, that have the pacer inside, like the lead inside and you press it? They, they, I liked them better than a normal pencil. Dad wouldn't let me have one. He said, no, you've got a normal pencil. So I just went to the news agency, took it, put it in my pocket and walked out. I had a pencil. I had a pacer. I was not a good kid in high school. In, in high school, if there was a fight in, when I was in grade 9 and 10, anywhere in the school, it's because I'd organized the fight. I'd go to Jimmy and say, oh, did you hear about what Trevor said to you, man? He said you were ugly and you aren't as big as him. And then I'd go over to Trevor and say, oh, but that guy, that guy's angry at you. He wants to fight you. And then there'd be a fight on in the school. I wasn't, I, I wasn't a great kid, but this, this is what entertained me. And then in, in class, I'd be paying out on the teacher. And I'd be paying out on other students. I'd be yelling stuff out. And then the students around me, because they wanted to learn, um, said to me, we're going to the principal. And I had to think quick. In this moment, I had to think really quick. So I went to, I went to the teacher after. Now, I'd just been paying out on this teacher. She didn't know because I waited till her back was turned. So all these kids, hey, they're going to go and they're going to dob on all these kids, these other students. And I've been doing nothing wrong. I think it's really unfair. She said, I'll look after you, Jason. Don't worry about it. Just before I got saved, my life was so messed up, I started yelling at him, at God. God, if you really loved me, you wouldn't let this stuff go on. If you existed, this stuff wouldn't be bad, and I'd have a go at him and I'd abuse him. Yet no matter my behavior, no matter where I was, God still chose to come down and die on a cross just for me. He chose me, regardless of my behavior. Because he didn't save us because of our behavior. It's not based on my performance, but based on the fact that he loves us and wanted to die on the cross just for us. This morning, let's remember that the cross is good news because of grace. Because of that moment of grace. Romans 3, 23, 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The second thing is this. The second interaction was between Jesus and and his mum, and John. Jesus was the oldest brother, just like me. I was the oldest son, oldest child. And I think as the oldest child, things are a little unfair, but I've got over it now. And I want to read to you this, this who, who's heard of Dawn French? Dawn French, she's the main star of The Vicar of Dibley, all right? Funny, I like it. I think it's a funny show. And she put this cool quote up on Facebook, I think it was, or Twitter, it said this, we really should make oldest kid in the family day, where we all celebrate the oldest kids and thank them for taking one for the team and letting their parents use them as guinea pigs when it comes to parenting. You're the real MVPs. Yeah, I see that hand. I see. I did the same thing. I took the photo of that, screenshotted it, sent it to my sister and my mum, and I wrote, preach it underneath. <laughs> Jesus was the oldest kid. And so when, when his dad died, so his dad died, if you read the story, it doesn't actually tell you that he died, but you just get the idea because when they come to get Jesus, there's, there's times in there when they go to get Jesus, his brothers, 
and his mom, his dad's not included. It's just them, and they've gone out to get him. And there's another moment that tells you that Joseph is dead, and here's the story, and I want to read it to you. It's from John 19, 25 to 27. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took him into his home. This is a really good moment. This is good news because it speaks of Jesus' humanity. In that moment that he was in pain, in that time of hurt, he still cared about his mum. He was still thinking, who's going to take care of my mum? And he, he looked for the guy he trusted the most. And I think it was John. He said, John, will you look after my mum? And the Bible says that John said yes, because he took him home, took her home and looked after her from that day forward as his own mum. So this tells me, you know, whatever we're going through, we serve a God that can relate to us. Jesus went through rejection. Everyone rejected him. The Bible says all the disciples, when he was being taken away by the guards, they all just left. They all ran away. He knows what it's like to lose someone. He knows what it's like to lose his dad. His dad died when he was whatever age. Maybe he was young, maybe he was a bit older. He lost his dad. He knows what it's like to lose someone close to him. He knows what it's like to be pain. He knows what it's like to have to deal with desires and passions and stuff like that because he was a man just like you and me. He was 100% man yet 100% God. He knows what it's like. We serve a God that can relate to you. That's the good news. Another bit of good news as I read this Bible story is the fact that that here it is, that Jesus came down, died on the cross to establish a relationship, not set up a religion. In that moment, he's establishing a relationship between a, a, between a mum and a son. In our lives, Jesus came down to establish a relationship between God and us. Not about religion, not about rules that we have to keep, It's about the fact that now because I died for you on the cross, you can go boldly into the throne room of God and hang out with him anytime you like. Isn't that good news? I think that's really cool. Let me me tell you how we got there. Adam and Eve. They were living in the garden. The Bible says everything was perfect. Didn't matter what you eat. You never put on weight. Never had to brush your teeth. Never had to take a bath because you never got B.O. Everything was perfect. And the, the really cool part about the story is the Bible says that in the cool of the evening, God walked with Adam and Eve. But because Adam and Eve ate from the fruit on the tree, the perfect relationship between God and man was broken. And so Jesus had to come down and fix up that relationship. Because you could see that a man couldn't do what was right So God had to come and do it himself. It's all good news. A relationship built not on rules and regulations. A marriage is great. 
Dylan and Lani just got married recently. And they shared their vows. And they're here today, which is cool. And, but they shared their vows. I promise to care for you no matter what, you know, through sickness and in health. I don't really know the rest of it, but it's pretty cool. I thought I would. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? Put this on the print. No. Dylan, it's only been two weeks. But if we based our marriages on those vows, on those rules, if when we were sick and we're lying in bed and said, Renee, will you make me some soup? And Renee said, no. I said, yeah, but in the vows it said you'd look after me in sickness and in health. Will you massage my feet? You got bad, no, no, I don't have smelly feet, but the person might have smelly feet. And he said, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but in our vows, it says. It wouldn't be a very good relationship, would it? Because great relationships need to be based on love. Need to be based on the fact that I'm going to choose to love you first. And I'm going to choose to be in great relationship with you. I'm going to choose to do whatever I can for you and not try and get stuff back from you. It's not about the keeping of the rule. It's not about what you do for me and what I do for you. It's about the fact that I choose to love you. I I love this moment when Jesus is on the cross because we know that God created everything. Don't we? He created everything. He spoke to let there be light and there was light. He created the trees through speaking. He created animals through speaking. Everything he did, he created through speaking. Everything, the Bible says that everything was created out of nothing by God. And the Bible talks about the fact that God existed before the earth was created. And he, was, he existed in, in a trinity. He existed in perfect relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. He needed nothing. He needed no one. Yet he chose to love us. He chose to create us. He chose to come down and die on the cross. And I think it's because we know he needs nothing, he needs no one, that we can truly trust that this was a moment of love. He didn't do this because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. This morning, the cross is good news because Jesus came to die out of choice, to establish a relationship. And because he was fully human, he can relate with us. The third thing is this. Jesus and God was the next interaction that I want to read about. And that comes from Matthew 27, 46. It says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the first time in the entire Bible that Jesus calls God, God. All the other times he called God Father. But in this moment, in his interaction with God, instead of calling him Dad, he calls him God. See, you look back. Right at the start, he says, you see, when he first gets baptized, he comes up out of the water. And God says, this is my son. 
He claims this is my son. You see, when he was young and, he, and his, his Joseph and Mary lost him, and, he's, he's, and they're looking for him for days. They're looking for him. Finally, they find him in the temple and they say, what, what are you doing? He says, I must be about my father's work. In another place, they say, teach us to pray. The disciples say, teach us how to pray. He says, say, our father, who art in heaven. Another place, he says, Abba, father. See, he was always dad. And in this moment, he calls him God. And the reason is that, is that for the first time in his life, the, di- the connection between him and his dad had been broken. No longer was there that connection that he had. Because the Bible says that in this moment, God turned his back on his son. He rejected him because he saw the sin and the brokenness of the world poured out on Jesus. And he said, I can no longer look. I have to turn away. This is good news. Because of this moment in the Bible, because of this moment on the cross, we can take confidence knowing no matter what happens in our life, no matter what we go through, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what we do, no matter when we turn away or walk away from God, no matter what, we will never be rejected by God. Isn't that good news? I think that's the best news of this story is no matter what, God won't turn away from me because he turned away from Jesus. Because again, Jesus got what we deserve. Now we get what Jesus deserved. Jesus was without sin, never sinned before in his life. The Bible says even though he was tempted, he never sinned, but he got what we deserved. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says this, For I'm convinced, and this is Paul speaking, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I get the band up on stage, please, and and those who are handing out communion, if you could do that now, please. One illustration I really like is, have you ever been at the shops when you were a kid? You're at the supermarket, you're at the show, you're at something big with a lot of people. And the place is just packed with people. And you're walking with your parents or your mum or your dad. And all of a sudden, as you start walking along, you realize that mum and dad are gone. And there's that panic that sets in. Where's my mum and dad? I'm sure as parents, you may have had that same thing happen to you. Where is my kid? They're gone. But because of the cross, that moment never happens with God. We serve a dad where we can be sure that in that moment, we might feel like God's gone. Our marriage might be falling to pieces. We may lose our job. We may be losing our business. We may get a diagnosis that we don't like. That is scary, or you might have something. In that moment, it feels like our whole world's falling down to pieces. It feels like we're alone, where we're in a blackness, we're in a dark place. In that moment, we can be like that little kid who, when they're scared, they just grab a hold of their dad's leg, and all of a sudden, all their fears disappear. Because they're in a place of security. They're in a place of comfort. 
See, we know no matter what we go through because of the cross, Jesus is always there for us. I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my picture of this, the moment when Jesus is led to the cross, I used to picture it as a moment where Jesus is dragged a moment where they have to hold him down and pin him down as they whip him. I used to get the picture of as Jesus gets nailed to the cross, they had to grab his arm and they had to hold it against it while, he, while they nailed his nail to the cross. That's what I used to think. But as I read the Bible and I start to think about it, that's not what happened. He willingly laid down so they could whip him. He went with them. If you have a look, when they come to arrest him, he says, let's go, my time has come, and he goes with them. When it comes time to nail him to the cross, he sticks his arm out of his own choice so that they could nail it to the cross because he said, I'm going because I love people so much. He thought about us. He thought about our future. He thought about what we could be. He thought about what we could become. In that moment, he died for you and me. The three interactions that happen in the Bible talk of grace, the building of a, a relationship, a reestablishing of a relationship, and the fact that we can never be separated from God. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Center's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website www.withsundayacc.com.au